Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, thank you guys for tuning into Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I am your host, Mark, and... Sam Weber joins me today, literally from the road. He and his band had just finished the final show of their tour the night before, and Sam was driving all their gear home. So we began by discussing his family's love of music and how that had a big influence on him. In fact, his first band was him, his brother, and his father. But he also describes how architecture and Frank Lloyd Wright can be considered influences on him. Sam tells me how much he loves playing in a trio, and how that makes it a lot easier for him to be improvisational. For years, he road tested all of his songs before committing them to tape. But that obviously wasn't possible during the pandemic. So his plans for another big album with lush production shifted 180 degrees. But he would prefer that we consider the new album Get Free a celebration of playing music together instead of watching Netflix. Check out samwebermusic.ca for social media links and ways to buy all of his music. Follow us at Performance ANX, wherever media is social, and help us keep this show going by buying merch at performanceanx.threadless.com or ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety. Now, let's catch up with Sam Weber on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Okay. Hey, my name's Sam Weber, and you're listening to Performance Anxiety. I got a new record out called Get Free, and you can find it on my website, samwebermusic.ca. Thanks a lot. What I like to do is to find out a little bit about your history, so maybe we, we can understand a little bit more about your latest releases. So, you know, find out where you've been to understand where you are. Got so, it. So... That's kind of where I like to start. And I love getting stories that are maybe a little unusual, some stories from the road, interesting recording tidbits, behind the scenes stuff. So, Got you. So, I have done a bit of research. So, you're originally from Canada, and your father was an architect, right? That's right. All right. So, he, was there a lot of music growing up? Because architect doesn't necessarily translate into music. So, was there a lot you wouldn't of think it, yeah. like you wouldn't think so but like um he was like you know this is something i've only learned about since he passed a lot i've been reading i've been learning a lot more about like frank Lloyd Wright and just kind of what his whole he had like this whole kind of philosophy like journeyman renaissance man kind of approach to his life and like this is frankly right his life and his like he had disciples that would come from far and wide to kind of learn from him and so yeah. much of what his teachings were were like a very balanced like I feel like it was a very balanced view of the world and art and everything like, and also too, like his, his architectural philosophy and how he approached building stuff was so, was so emotional and deep. Like even just, you know, a, a common Frank Lyric concept was um, the concept of like compression and release. Like you walk in a, walk in a house or you walk in a room or a building and the ceiling is low and then you kind of emerge into this bigger space and the effect that, that that's created by uh, that wow. is this emotional thing, you know? And I mean, like, so my dad was like, he didn't go to school for architecture or anything. Like he was a hockey player or a musician. Oh, wow. Like he did kind of a bit of everything, you know, but he like, he was connected to those concepts as well as like the, the nuts and bolts of like drawing houses and be- and creating beautiful buildings and everything like that he, he like when he would play like he wouldn't play he wouldn't sit down on a piano and play Mary Had a Little Lamb or like try and learn like a classical piece like he would really try and like connect with his emotions and channel something you know and oh, that wow. is something that I like I don't know if I, I never like I never actively really picked up on that until I was much older but it was something that was always around like it was just always in the presence of that like emotional 
connection to an instrument. And wow. I, there was lots of music. Like we played music together a lot when I was growing up and my brother too, like lots of music in the house and lots of support for all that. So that's kind of how that all, all coalesced, you know, with architecture. So um, was, music, I think. were you listening to, was he listening to like you mentioned some classical, was he listening to classical? Was he listening to pop rock or what, what was going on in the house that influenced you? I mean, kind of, a bit of everything like i was pretty resentful of jazz but now i'm like much more yeah but now i'm like much more on the wavelength of like really finding beauty in it and not so much it's such an odd art form it's it's almost like it's like expressionist or abstract abstract like painting or something like oh, it's really, yeah. a lot of it is about the expression of it which i find so beautiful now and i have a palette for it but it's like when i was younger like i wanted to listen to aerosmith you know? yeah but we had like <laughs> neil young we had like neil young in the house we had like everything you know a bit of everything that, um, i've never heard anybody it. say they were resentful of jazz so that's awesome <laughs> it was that thing of like you know your parents like i was I, he kind of introduced you to that phase where he's like everything you like everything i i tell you you're going to hate, you know? So like, whatever. Yeah. like you're going to say it's stupid just because I like it. <laughs> yep. And that was true. And now, you know, years later, it's something I'm really interested in. If I'm going to put something on, it's probably some jazz infused music oh, you know, or wow. like expression, expressive music, reactionary music. Oh, that's interesting. Was guitar the first instrument that you learned? Uh, piano was, I yeah. took piano lessons and like si similarly to like, like the structured approach, like didn't work for me. Like I really didn't know. I didn't really didn't, I couldn't get sight reading music. Like I can read music a little bit now, but I really only came to connect with music when I started playing guitar and like trying to play songs by ear. And then I took lessons from there, but okay. it was like a different path in, into music than reading off the page. So how old were you when you started playing? Uh, so I was six when I took the lessons, and I was about twelve when I started guitar and oh, really focusing on it. Okay, and I, I believe that I, I read that the first band you were in was you, your brother, and your father. Uh, yeah, we would just like—I mean, it was not, not formalized in any capacity. Okay. We would just jam in the living in the living room. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Man. it was awesome. We had we had like my brother played piano. We had like a piano or like a keyboard set up, and then. My dad's drums were set up, and then I would play guitar. Oh. And we'd just jam all night. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome, man. After that, did you start playing in other bands, or did you immediately start just playing solo on your own? I would, like, I mean, I would I would play a lot by myself and try and make something, like, make primitive recordings and try and make things that sounded musical. But, like, I would play with people at school and, yeah, do the odd thing, you know, trying to, trying to, like, make something do something with it with okay. the musicality you know it was kind of focused or you know concrete so when did you actually start gigging uh i think i was 16 i started playing at like a well i started doing open mics probably when i was like 15 oh, okay. and then kind of got into just playing around town which where i'm from which was like victoria from there like i would play start playing like bar gigs or like cover gigs at um, bars, you know, like I'm from Victoria, BC, so there's lots of like cover music that happens there. So I yeah. play in those bands okay. um, for tourists and that kind of thing. And then there's also a good other original music scene there that I would, you know, have bands and do play shows at bars and whatever. Oh, cool. When did you start writing your own music? Uh, pretty soon after I picked up the guitar. I mean, I would, I would start writing. Lyrics kind of came later, but I would kind of start writing like little instrumental. I'd start coming up with little things, like little instrumental ideas. Okay. Oh, and, and were you, when you were out uh, gigging, and you said you you know you're doing a lot of cover stuff, but when did you start playing your own music? I mean, was that was that a little nerve wracking for you to go up there and just start playing your own stuff? Yeah, I can't. It was, and I can't even remember the first time. I don't even know what the first time was <laughs> when I like played my yeah. I played my like I played like a song of mine. You know, it's it's odd. That's odd to think about. It might have not been until I think I needed. I had a band like with high school friends that was like I had I had like I would play with people from my music school at gigs, and then I had like a band in high school of like two friends, and we kind of started 
playing music together and started recording, getting music together. And that was okay. probably the first time I was like contributing my own songs. I was, you know, oh, cool. Oh, oh yeah. okay. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. I'm getting the feeling that you gigged a lot. You, you, you've been on the road a lot. Is that the case? I mean, it, it sounds, I mean, the music, all the music sounds like it, it's been written on the road. Like it's just road worn music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've played, like, that's always been like, I, my first like manager, friend manager kind of figure in my life was like, was a, a guy that had played in bands and like, had always kind of like mandated like if you just get out and play like that is the best surefire way to kind of just keep getting better first of all and just like keep building your thing you know your vision of whatever it is professionally and creatively it's just like that's the way to do it and that's been true to my experience like i kind of took that to heart and it helps that i love it so much like i really love traveling and i really do love um making music with my friends and all that and um I really took that to heart and that's been like a cornerstone of my whole thing and has informed like, of course, like you mentioned, like it informs a lot of the material I write about because it's kind of just my reality. So it's like, yeah, like playing, playing shows is, is, has been like, and you know, it's, it's a funny thing. It's like, it's this thing that you do as a, you can do as a performer. It's like, or at least historically, it's been the thing you do as a performer. And it's like, I've always seen like a steady kind of growth from like small things to like slightly bigger things, but like microscopically bigger. And it's just kind of been this slow incline of like things kind of getting better, changing and evolving. And then every once in a while, some kind of little break will happen. Like so-and-so will like share my song to their followers or their fans and like ask me to open for them. And I'll be like, Oh, and then I'll kind of like have a boon to my exposure or whatever it is but that's awesome otherwise it's just like investing in that like consistent of just like practice of just going out and playing shows and connecting with music is like has been my whole thing how many shows would you say you play a year then just as like an average yeah uh i mean the past couple have been obviously much right. less but like <laughs> yeah. in the before time yeah in the before times it was probably up like over a hundred for sure wow like, yeah man lots of stuff oh and are you doing everything yourself you the booking and then the travel arrangements and everything is that is that just you i did that for a long time but luckily i have folks that help me with all that stuff now oh good <laughs> good i imagine yeah. that's got to get tough it's a lot, you know, and even like, I mean, we tour, we tour without a tour manager to keep costs down. Like a lot of bands will like tour with like a, a dedicated person that just books hotels, like finds the place to eat, make sure you get to the show on time. Right. And we kind of all, me and the other two guys that play with me, um, we all kind of share those hats and I can, I kind of tend to do most of that. So even <laughs> that, you know, unto itself is like a big job. Um, and it's, it can be hard to juggle that with like booking all the shows and, 
Uh, you know, all the other logistics, like the financials, like all of it. It's just so, it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's a full-time job. Yeah, yeah, totally. But it, luckily, it, like, it serves, you know, it's, it's such a joyous thing that we get to do. So I kind yeah. of take it as just the cost of doing business, just spending time that way. That's a great way to look at it, though. So yeah. what did your family think about this? As Because your, your dad, you know, you said your dad kind of had a whole lot of things going on, but as you know, he was an architect. So I, did they, were, were they supportive of you going out on the road and, and being a musician as a living? Yeah. You know, I think it started as like blind support, like, <laughs> like just like totally just like do whatever you want. Like this is, if you're passionate about it, you got to do it. Like right. and that was like essential, I think, you know, to get, to get going. And then I think it kind of transitioned to like, uh, they kind of formed an understanding of what I was trying to do and certain kind of milestones, like career milestones that I hit, like certain shows that I played or certain radio stations that would play my music, like those kind of things kind of informed, like they're like, okay, I kind of understand what you're trying to do now. And I kind of see what you're, what you're after. And also like another huge thing about, I mean, specifically to the, you know, back to the driving around playing lots of shows thing. It's like, I got to, I get to like consistently visit family and friends like everywhere and kind of check in all these people and like doing what I do is like, you know, sometimes we lose touch with people. Like if we don't like put in like a diligent effort, it's so easy to lose touch with like friends and family that don't live within your close proximity. But like getting to play music is this blessed thing where you like kind of are like checking in on all these people and maintaining it's much easier in a way to maintain all these relationships and all these like points of contact with all these different people everywhere. It's kind of really beautiful in that regard. You know? Oh, that's really cool. I didn't, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I mean, you're driving around anyway, you know, and yeah. then you just, you just get to, <laughs> you just get to kind of drop in on all these people and, and sometimes they come out to your show. Sometimes they don't, whatever, but yeah, you get to kind of visit. You know? Oh, that is awesome. How long were you uh, gigging and, and on the road for before you started to think about recording your first album, Shadows in the Road? I, th- I think I put that record out. Well, that record was like the beginning of me touring solo. Like I was, I was, um, I, I was touring as a sideman in other bands before then. Like oh, okay. I did some some kind of like like larger scale tours. Like I did one like larger scale tour as a as a guitar player, keyboardist in a Canadian band, and then I transitioned into just kind of trying to build that thing. Oh, okay. How did well, I guess you you were writing on the uh, on your own time then, and and yeah, okay. yeah, writing and recording. I think I started that record when I was in like my last couple of years of high school, and then kind of put it out. Oh, wow. After high school and, and hit it after that. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I was listening to it, and uh, I gotta say, I, I love the feel of something to say, but I think I've really like the like the late 60s pop feel to to rolling sleeps while my darling our tomorrow's on the train he's coming down the line to take us both away somewhere better you will see somewhere we can finally be alone It's so many promises that I will try and keep. It's, it's, oh, got, thank you. it's got almost like a, and, and some people might take this the wrong way. I don't know how you feel about these guys, but it's got like a, literally like a, a monkey's feel to it. I love the monkeys. Interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, it's so, it's, it's so funny. Yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, it's like that music, it's so odd to reflect on. Like it's been so long since, um, that like I made that I must have made that record or finished that record like ten years ago. So it's so like I, I don't really listen, I don't go back much, you know, like I don't like to listen to my own stuff. Oh yeah, imagine really, yeah. once it's out, you know, but it's like it's interesting to reflect on it and hear that feedback and think about it in that light based on my memory of it. I totally get that. Monkey's <laughs> thing for sure. And well it's cool. I mean it's got a, a bunch of different sounds to it, but that's that's the one that really hit me and it, it's it's like the you know the later like the 67 68 head era monkeys and all that just 
it's really good stuff. And it's got the whole out al- Thanks, man. That album and and Valentina Nevada, everything comes true. They all have this great like '70s singer-songwriter feel to them. Like the co- I, I tend to think in like combinations of things because everybody's got their own sound. And I don't like yeah. saying, oh, you sound like this person because nobody sounds exactly like somebody else. But the feel I'm getting, the sound I'm getting through the the harmonies, the chords, and the music is kind of like a like a Jackson Brown meets Andy Schaff. And a, it's a really yeah. interesting combination. I really like it. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, the the sev- like the 70s singer-songwriter influence is so, like, is so strong. Like, I love... I'm a massive Jackson fan, and, ah. like, a fan of all of those artists, you know, and, but I will say like in recent years, like, I mean, since moving to LA, like I like, it's not like in any negative sense, but like, I sort of like, saw I like saw kind of like how that music, I kind of learned so much more about how it exists and like, got so immersed in it that like, I kind of like shocked myself out of like, I was like, for, I feel like for so much of my career, I was like trying to make music that sounded that way, you know, just okay. I loved it so much. And I think like, I, I, I've been trying to redirect and like thinking more like what, or like, I don't know, like find, find something newer to what I'm new, like, that is like less familiar. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like for so long, I was dr- trying to drive at something familiar. I'm less like interested in that these days. Well, I can definitely hear that that's what happened on the the new album because there is less of a singer songwriter feel to it. It's it's definitely different than your previous work. But I, I do have a, a question. So, two years after Shadows in the Road came out, Valent uh, Valentina Nevada came out. Was that another like a road influenced album was was all that written while you're on the road because again like i like i had mentioned earlier the the songs sound like they're definitely road weary songs not well not weary but road worn songs like they've been played a lot were you you playing them live before you recorded them yeah absolutely like that's i mean that's kind of the advent of like being a new artist like you have to go you do have to go out and play your record that's out but like if people don't know who you are you can kind of get away with playing whatever you want right. you know like to a degree you can kind of just like so like we would do that like we would go out you know when we were touring touring shadows that are we'd go out and play valentina songs maria owed some money to some cat down in el paso valentina caught the bill maria caught a bullet for her Dirty hills and hideaways The dust bowl she hugs With a fire behind her eyes A 45 in the glove box Valentina gets her And just like, and that would, that would kind of inform How the songs would be recorded oh. And like, just that whole That is, I mean, in the music world That's referred to as like road testing them like you go out and you like play them for people. It's like a comedian getting up and telling jokes and trying them out on a small, right. at a small club to see like what the reaction is. Like it's almost like until you get up and do that on a stage, it's like there's something. Yeah, you can really learn something from doing that about the song and about like the effect, effectiveness of the arrangement and just like the delivery, the message, and the feeling and the dynamic, all of it. Like you can learn so much. So we would do we would do that a ton. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about socks for a second. Why not? It's a music podcast. But I tried a pair of socks from Boldfoot and loved them. I've only worn them once because my kids have stolen them. So in my household, that's the best endorsement I can give. And I guess it's fitting because the design I chose was jailbait. Wait, Jailbird. The design I chose was Jailbird. I might keep that in. The socks are 100% American made and 5% of all proceeds go to veteran charities. It makes sense seeing that Boldfoot is a family and veteran owned company. They have a huge variety of styles. So check out boldfoot.com and buy some of the best socks you've ever slapped on your feet and help veterans while you're at it. That's boldfoot.com. When you go in to record the socks, is it 
you or is it the an entire band? Are you touring with a with a an entire band or are you playing solo? Yeah, I tour as a trio. I really love like the trio diet, like the trio setup because it's mm-hmm. it's perfect in that like there's it, there's enough there's like three elements that that can be like totally in their own lane, and the trio the trio arrangement is like kind of like a it's it can kind of be like a bit. I've seen it delivered fairly like in effect or like executed fairly ineffectively. Like if you go out <laughs> as a trio and try and just like fill, try and like play loud and fill space. Like mm-hmm. I've, I usually find that like unpleasant, you know, to listen yeah. to or to do like, it just feels, it just kind of feels like it's missing something. But like, if you work with the dynamics of people playing off each other and really respond to each other, there's lots of room to like be expressive and reactive as a band. Like it's a really unique number. It's something it's weird to say, but it's like a unique number of something unique to having three people on stage okay. um, doing that and like having space and like, yeah, creating space. That oh, Well, yeah, I think you just nailed it. Creating space that, I mean, that's hard to do when you've got like two or three guitars on stage and, you know, a bass player and a drummer and a sing. you know, if, if you've got one guitar, one bass, one drum, it's, You've got a lot more maneuverability, lot more, like you said, space that you can play in. Definitely, and like I think, like you can definitely. I think a lot of out- outfits, like they want to sound. If you're, if I'll put it this way, like the more people you add, the more it's almost like the more planning you have to do. Okay, you know, like the more arranging has to happen. Like when you play with the less people you play with, it's like the less things you have to pay attention to and the more the easier it is to almost like improvise oh, things wow. like when we when we go out and play it's like we we try and like catch if something some, like we try and play songs like a little different all the time like different tempos different feels oh cool different chord changes like it's fun to try it's fun and it's like what keeps it like what keeps it fun and exciting for us ultimately is what i think keeps it exciting for an audience like we talk about this so much because it's like people, some people like they have it, they basically have like a, a show, like they have an act, like they go up, the banter might be the same, the songs are played to a click at the same tempo. And that's like, there's nothing wrong with that. But like, what I love about what I get to do is that it's like this reactive experience that I get to share with my friends. Like they, they, they play something, I hear what they're playing and I respond to it and try and play something that sounds good. Oh, based wow. on what they play you know you get to be and like every room sounds different you know That's every night true. your guitar sounds different so yeah. it's like just to try and be present in that thing is like is really what i'm about like i try and i try and live in that that so, is awesome it's was, a lot of fun i was listening to valentina nevada to uh, nevada i gotta i'm gonna get emails from people from nevada saying you're saying it wrong <laughs> but i i love charlotte but i i really love the heat I think that is a great oh, thanks, song. That's, that one in particular that makes me think of the, that whole Jackson Brown meets Andy Schaaf sound. It, it's just, that, I think that's my favorite track off of that album. If she was born a run, I was born a chaser. I didn't know that I wanted a babe. Yeah, that's that's an apt that's an apt comparison, Jackson. Andy, thanks, thanks, man. Yeah, I like that one too. <laughs> okay. You know, but like, I'll take that song for example. Like, I that one was for some reason it was always so hard to execute. It always felt so hard to execute a lot. Like, I don't know if it was just my neuroses or what, but it was like. <laughs> It, it was always like I never just felt comfortable just like cause maybe because it was more part driven like there was like a guitar riff and there was like a specific guitar riff mm-hmm. like a specific tempo like I, I, I never really felt like we could get it live so I all the songs that I really love to play live are like usually permutations of like the recordings like they're not even like the same oh. arrangements you know? do, do you have any that you just 
don't play live that are just too difficult or is everything basically playable? I mean, now, like the new record, we, we play pretty much everything. But yeah, there's a handful of songs off every record before that I just like, that I just have tried and like just don't like because it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it comes across right or like in a way that feels good, you know? And I mean, maybe that's a position of, I mean, it's not for lack of trying, like definitely trying to make all these songs work. <laughs> but it's like, I think nowadays my latest thing is like coming, if like the work basically starting a recording, like having a more like a live sound on the record or a live recording process with like a live band, like Get Free, we did overdubs, but like the nucleus of the recordings are like a live recording, um, okay. a live band recording of three people, you know? So like... And it felt good. Like we got takes that we really liked, like with just three people. And if we could do that, I think that translates to mean later on, like we could do it on a stage that way too. Okay. And it's really important to me. It's become more important to me that I'm able to do that. That the songs are good enough that you can record them like with like a smaller outfit and still be able to deliver them live and make them sound good. So in 2019, Everything Comes True came out. And the songs yeah. sound a little different from the first two. Did did you approach writing or recording them differently? Yeah, I mean that record we did at United Studios in Hollywood. Like that was a like it was the biggest probably probably swing. Like I had like these really grand songs and grand ideas, and I wanted to work with a produce like a named producer, right? And really kind of just like go for it. And that was like I think that and, and the producer really helped arranged the songs and was really formative. That was a guy named Tyler Chester. He's a friend and a brilliant producer and all that. And I think that was like the fidelity was obviously like a lot higher because of where we were recording. And it was also like th that record's all recorded live too. Like it was just a bunch of people playing together. Like it's like nine people playing together at some time. Wow. Together and just really just going for it. So that was different. I mean, the most we'd done live live before that was like tracking, you know, drums and bass together or something. Like it was a lot, a lot less um, live. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense though. Cause it sounds bigger and, and I guess grander maybe. Yeah. I mean, those studios just, they just, they're famous for a reason, you know, like they sound yeah. like United and ocean, like ocean way, I mean, sunsets, like all those East West, those big LA studios, like, they're legendary, you know, they're, they're awesome oh, zones and yeah. they, for a reason. Yeah. I guess for, as an example uh, of the song sounding a little bit different, like It's All Happening definitely sounds bigger than the other albums and, and probably not is probably for sure my favorite off that album. Traffic was Down here with the lights that song paints just a great picture thanks man and, and this is the time it, i think you lose your father at that point yeah that was like it was kind of during the recording of that like he had cancer so it was kind of during right. the recording of that record that um his health really started to and like writing it like that whole process was kind of like combined with him passing away effectively right. and it, it was the kind of cancer that was like a long it was a slow oh, long process and man, i'm so sorry i mean oh it's okay i mean you know it's it's just the way it's the way it went and i mean he didn't suffer a ton at the end and it was it's just grateful to have had him for as long as possible it was great but i'm sure um, that had to have an effect on on the the, the writing or the the production of the album yeah i mean it I, I was in a really like raw emotional place for sure and i yeah. think i think i wrote some of my songs for everything comes true are like some of my favorite songs i've written like i was and i was also taking like a really big swing on like getting like a big la band together like we recorded with some of jackson's band and like oh wow we yeah and like you know at the studio where they made like hailed with the thief and like Ray Charles Man. did string session. Like it was like just a big ambitious project. 
so I, I felt that pressure combined with just like, you know, a lot of going through a lot of personal stuff and yeah. But at this time, were you still living in Canada or had, had you moved to LA at that point? Um, that was, I was back and forth a lot, a lot. Like I was, um, I, I, I love, I, I still do. And like, I have, I have always loved the music from LA, but I was really obsessed with the LA music scene at that time. And like the new music as well, coming out of LA as well as like the music of the past, but like a, a lot of the new music happening there, I was really excited about the hair metal scene. So I was kind of, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Poison yeah. is just amazing. Molly Crew, Poison, yeah. <laughs> I can hear that in the, in the work, I got to tell you. I know, it's Except, really obvious. It's, it's, it's really, really obviously there. You really need to tone that down a bit. You might yeah, get sued. I'll work on that. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so you, you ended up moving to L.A. Is that when you, you started writing uh, the new album, Get Free? Um, yeah, I, oh, let me think. Yeah, like get again, like a lot. Some of the songs kind of were written like on the road. Like mm-hmm. you know, it was a straight up, it was a straight up pandemic recording. Like it was very like not road song, or not like I I, I had no reason. I would have had no reason to be getting road material right. for that record like during a pandemic, like when I was just at home. <laughs> so a lot of the songs are like old. There's a few kind of newbies on there. If I'd have to think about okay. think about it to think when they were all written, but like. Yeah, a lot of them were kind of like written as I was as I was traveling, like heading into that phase. And I, I had a similar plan. Like I had another ambitious kind of studio record plotted out at a different recording studio, but like with other, you know, musicians that I really looked up to and were big in the scene. And and then the pandemic came along and kind of just changed the whole board because I yeah. like I no longer could really get in the studio with people and do that. So. I just kind of looked to what my partner is like a very talented musician. Mm-hmm. So she and I kind of like, we're just like, well, there's no reason we can't like take a swing at this just at our house. Wow. And just see what happens. And we, and we went for it. And that's kind of what the record is. It's just us and our friend Danny playing drums that he would, as soon as we were able to like have one more person in our pod or whatever, yeah. they were, you know, yeah. like, but that was when he was kind of coming over and we were, that celebrating just playing music together like that that's what that record that's what this record is to me is just like a celebration of playing music together oh yeah. that's fantastic well, you you mentioned that some of the songs were older songs did the have, having to record in in the pandemic era did that, did that changed any of the songs yeah i mean it it i don't know if i, I don't know if i like changed the subject matter or anything like that but I mean, like, I think it was just in the execution. Like, I mean, we, I think some songs that had, some of them were like lemons from like, or not lemons, but things that were kind of unfinished that I then finished. Okay. And then getting, but like getting to like perform them in the environment of like being just so happy to see it, like to be playing music with people and like doing something other than watching Netflix for like <laughs> a second was like, so it, it allowed us to like push like push the songs as far as they could go like in that, in that context, you know? So I think we got a lot out of the material and that kind of is how they changed. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. They, you, they kind of grew. They you didn't really change the content of it, but you, they matured, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Did it change how you write in general? You know, just, I guess in general terms, because you're saying that a lot of your stuff is written on the road, but, you know, almost two years, you couldn't be on the road. Yeah. I mean, I haven't honestly, like I kind of like took a bit of a sabbatical from writing. Like I didn't write a whole lot during the pandemic. It just didn't feel, and especially with all, you know, all of the things going on in the world, it's like, I'm, I'm the kind of songwriter that I like, I'm good at like looking back and reflecting on things and kind of piecing together feelings. And that's like a very, and also like a very like therapeutic process for me. It's like kind of a way of dealing with, stuff and figuring stuff out in my head and i think there was so much in flux and so much left unresolved like in the world and so many things happening and i still feel this way to a degree it's like hard it it became increasingly hard to like find a singular truth of the moment or something that felt true in the moment under those circumstances there's just something i really look for when i'm when i'm writing okay 
Is, is there something behind the album title, Get Free? It was just kind of like get, trying to get, trying to feel free from the the spot we were in with the whole, like it, less so than the physical space of being locked down in an apartment, like just the emo, like the the psychological space of being locked uh, down in a, uh, an apartment. Like, okay, yeah. and I mean, the songs aren't really about that, but it's like necessarily but like the performances are about that to me like being just like getting escaping like almost in the sense you'd escape in your imagination but like escaping with your through your emotion if that makes sense yeah yeah i mean it, it also sounds like you'd mentioned before you all kind of escaped that 70s singer songwriter sound that you had been using because the songs get more experimental there's some really yeah. cool stuff going on in there. So, uh, like, truth or lie. I mean, there is this yeah. weird, like, weird string scraping thing going on that's kind of, like, phasey. Or, or it's just really wild. And then there's this yeah. big bass rumble underneath, which is just really cool. It all comes to life. How you I can't keep a secret, babe, but I'll make you a deal When it all comes to light Oh, time Truth Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for listening so attentively. The, we, like... It, it, exactly that as well like it was like trying to is trying to get outside of being pigeonholed as like a like a throw like i don't i don't think of myself as a throwback artist i just try and make music that i like yeah and i think like i, st I was starting to re i was reflecting on my material and being like okay i'm like yeah i'm like i'm moving i'm i'm trying to move into a space where i'm trying to find some my my but I think my taste changed a lot and therefore my direction changed a lot with what I wanted to do and I was trying to get out of where where I was. You know? That makes a lot of sense, man. That definitely yeah. makes a lot of sense. That I'm also intrigued by Don't Cry For Me because mm. it's a really great song, but it sounds like there's somebody washing the dishes in the background. Which there literally is somebody okay. watching this in the background. <laughs> Good ear. It's, I love uh, it. I was doing, I was doing vocal takes with like I and I would do. We would do the band takes, and it was like our whole ritual. Like we would do the band takes, and we'd do a few songs, Danny, Mallory, me, and then I would do like a pass where I would simultaneously play bass, guitar, and sing, and try and like, at, like, and record those things at the same time. Okay. <laughs> and like during while we were doing that song, they were like they were doing the dish or like cleaning up after dinner or something. So there's like there was some bleed into the tracks from that. But it kind of was just this ambient percussive it just felt like this ambient percussive thing that I heard once and it sounded right. So it's like it's gotta stay, you know. It's I like, love why it. Take it away, you know. I Thank love you. it. It's it's kinda sounds like it's a live recording. Crime without a proper game. Funeral never, never knew that it could sing Over classic love without a ring Slow dancing in a long lace gown Don't cry for her, she's halfway gone Wasted her youth, trying to make sense to you Like you're you're at a little club or something, and and you're playing to a a bar, and it's just it's an active bar. It's really totally. really like cool. Glasses clinking together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. A little, little bit of music concrete. <laughs> exactly. The way the the album ends though is really really cool. Streets of L.A. Yeah, ends with and and this is just un you know not a musician untrained ear. But it sounds kind of like an homage to One of These Days by Pink Floyd. Mm -hmm. 
okay i don't even know that i don't even i'm not even supremely <laughs> familiar with that song i i'm bad with the song titles i'm sure i've heard it but now i have to listen to that that's really interesting the bass on the way it, the way it ends it's really reminiscent of one of these days by pink Floyd off their metal album m-e-d-d-l-e that Dang. and that's one of my okay. favorite floyd songs so i thought that was just the coolest thing ever Wow. Okay, I gotta listen to that tune. I will, I gotta listen to that record. I think I don't even know if I'm like supremely familiar with. Oh that, God, that, that it, it's one of my big Floyd's. Yeah, it's one of my favorite Floyd albums. There's like five songs, and the second side is is one song. It's Echoes, and it's like 25 minutes long. Wow. Yeah, it starts off with one of these days, and it's got whatever effect you're doing on that bass. That it has a similar effect on that, and it's just the coolest sound ever yeah that's cool man i got i'm so excited to hear that you know <laughs> i love i love having these reasons to dip i love having these like purposeful reasons to like dip back into older lack of a better word older music you know what i mean yeah. like like because it's such like there's so much out there and there's so much incredible stuff so it's great to have like a line in into like reason to go back specifically to like oh, listen yeah. with purpose you know I yeah think, thank you exactly and you know you, you almost like with fresh ears exactly yeah so you're currently back on the road now and how long are you out for i just we just ended last night we played boston oh cool. we played in old Cam cambridge it was great it was a great show and then um yeah i'm, I'm hauling it back to los angeles by myself the band wow. tages the bass player is going to produce a record with uh, or work on a record with junico oh, um, cool. which is a great band from la and then in upstate new york and then danny's going back to vermont eventually because he's he's uh, house sitting up there and it's like this big we stayed at this house it's like this big old um country house out oh. there and he makes music out there and it's it's great. So, oh, yeah, we're all awesome. kind of scattered to the wind. Are you going to be working on uh, new music, or are you just kind of laying low for a little while until you hit the road again? Probably a little, like a bit of both. I've got some new stuff that I'm working through. I've got a few things that I've kind of recorded and have been tinkering with, and I think I'll probably just keep trying to do that. I mean, I've, I've got like a lot of just like my partner, Mal and me are like moving in, I guess we're moving in April okay or like near the end of april and then um i got like and then i'm kind of like scattered the wind again so it's just a bit of everything for the next little while and then wow. honestly the summer is pretty open so i'm hoping some creativity can really take root around then oh excellent excellent well man this has been a, a blast i've really enjoyed the album i've, I've really and i've also enjoyed going back and, and listening to the uh the previous albums and hearing the progression, because it's it's a really interesting progression f going from sparser music to more heavier produced stuff. But, but you Thanks. never get to the yeah. point where it sounds like it's overproduced. I mean, it, it most it sounds like you can pull it off live. So that's I really like the very tasteful production that you have in the last couple albums. It's not easy to do. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's I, I really appreciate that. I think like I think early on, not that they're bad records or anything, but like I think I was using production as like a writing tool and like a bit of a crutch. Like ah. you know, and like as I kind of went on, I was getting better at figuring out how to make a song really stand on its two feet live. Mm -hmm. And then that'll like if you can do that, you can deliver a song with less stuff and I, for me in my preference i really do find the adagio of like less is more to be really true like if you can deliver something you can deliver if you can serve it or like make cook a dish with like great ingredients simple recipe it's like those are the best those are the best meals you know oh, yeah. those are the best songs you know great a great vocal performance or a great chorus or you know it's just like having just real and then having the other elements just support versus like distract and like let yes. the distraction kind of be the thing you know exactly and you know that's a, it's a credit to you being on the road so much it you know it really reflects in how your songwriting has grown so it, it's really a credit to to your tenacity on the road and the the results on on the songwriting are just fantastic oh thanks man yeah i mean tenacity is a, a very a very nice word for it i think i just i'm just really lucky I, I i really love what i do and i get to do it a whole lot and it's like 
it's just a total blessing for what I, for on my part. So it's easy to want to, it's easy to be tenacious, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you like what you're doing, it is easy to be tenacious. Yeah. <laughs> how can people pick up the new album, get free and how can they follow you on, on social media and find out when you're hitting the road again? Um, it's all on my, uh, website, Sam Weber music.com. And I have a mailing list up there. I'm, I'm trying to like, I think the future for independent music, music and musicians is really just for people to get on mailing lists for bands they like, and just to bypass social media stuff as much as possible. But I mean, I'm also on all the social media platforms as well, like Instagram, Facebook and all that. And, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to, I love to connect with people who appreciate the tunes and then I love to, we love to play them and turn around and there's updates on there about what we're doing. So, yeah. Oh, good. So everything, everything's on the website and, uh, is there yep. links to buy the album on the website too? I would imagine all that stuff's up there. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Boy, thank you so much for spending so much time with me. I know I've kept you a while here. I really do appreciate it. It's been a blast talking with you and, and, and learning about your process. Likewise, Mark, thank you so much for um, taking the time. And like, I really appreciate all your enthusiasm for what I'm up to. I, it means a lot to, to get that. So thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.